This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. So if you'll notice the charts that I gave you, there's a diagram that we'll be using here, and we'll actually construct it here on the board to my left, just like the the front that you see here on your chart. And uh, inside... You've got a place for notes if you desire to take them, and also the scriptures are typed out inside, which we will begin in there with Matthew 7, uh, Matthew 10, rather, verse 5 through 7, and then there's scripture on the back side, of course, that will complete the study. I had a wristwatch on this morning, and I thought, well, I always look down at my watch every now and then, but there's no need today. Once I start, we're locked in, and so, so we'll just, uh, I'll sit down when I'm finished, and uh, I need to give this all at once, and it, uh, it may or may not flow smoothly, we will see. But we're recording it nonetheless, and I'm glad that you're here to uh, be a part of it. I haven't done this study now. I've known a lot of this group for well over three years, and I have purposely restrained from, from doing this lesson. And now that Chuck and Julia are here, I wanted to give it on this Sunday. But many of you have never heard this study, and some of you, just a few, have perhaps been through it. But it's a a unique sermon of mine. I have nothing like it. And uh, I think you'll see why as we we, uh, study it together this morning. Matthew 10, verse 5 through 7. Matthew says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're talking today on the Great Commission. You might wonder, well, why is he reading Matthew 10? That's not the Great Commission. And you're right, it's not the Great Commission. It's what Bible students call the Limited Commission, not the Great Commission. This word commission, incidentally, means simply just means authority to act for, in behalf of or in place of another. So when the Lord would send the apostles out to preach, He would give them authority to act for or behalf or in place of Himself. And on this occasion He sends them out. And we call this a limited commission. And look at the diagram on the inside and you'll see the limited commission here in Matthew 10 compared to the great commission in Matthew 28. And maybe you'll understand now why we call it the great commission. This limited commission is quite limited. If you'll notice Matthew 10, he said, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, into any city of the Samaritans, enter you not. Go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus only let the apostles preach to Israelites in his day when he was here on earth. His mission was not to Samaritans, it was not to Gentiles, but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and he forbid the disciples to even go into a Samaritan city or to go in any way that the Gentiles might be connected. But he said, just go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. On the other hand, the Great Commission, Jesus would come and say, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's why it's greater. You see, it's greater in scope. Secondly, it's greater in message. He told them in Matthew 10 on the Limited Commission, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom is near. But when he would send them out on the Great Commission, of course they were sent out to preach that the kingdom has come, that Jesus is King of kings, 
And they preached His death, burial, and resurrection, which was a greater message because when the Lord was here on earth, He had not died, was buried, and risen. None of that had happened. So you see, it has a greater message. The limited commission is limited in its message. The great commission has the greatest message. Then finally, you'll notice the limited commission is limited in its duration. It would end when the great commission was given, but when Jesus gave us the great commission, He said, I'm with you all the way even to the end of the world. It's durationist until He comes again. So when you, when you contrast these two commissions, you see now why Matthew 10 is called limited. It's limited in its scope, in its message, in its duration. The great commission is greater in its scope, in its message, and in its duration. And that's why we call it the Great Commission. And this Great Commission uh, is found in three different places. We're going to study all three records. If you're here this morning and you're wanting to be saved and you wonder, what do I need to do? How do I become a Christian? How will God forgive me of my sins? You should learn that very, very easily, very thoroughly this morning. And if you desire to be saved, we can assist you in that. But nonetheless, the, the Great Commission's found three times now in the New Testament. Matthew gives a record, Mark gives a record, record, and Luke gives his record. And we're going to take each one of these, and what we're going to do today is, uh, well, on this large board, we're going to take the details out of these three records and put them up here where we can look at them, and then we're going to add them and make a summary of them just like we would add compound numbers. Then we're going to come back on the end and check our summary to make sure it's correct. Now Matthew comes first in the books. So let's notice in Matthew 28, if you want to look inside, here's Matthew's record now of the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and verse 19 and 20. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and, uh, and uh, excuse me, Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. When you look at that record, Matthew says the Lord told them to go teach, so we'll make a note of that. And uh, he told them who to teach. He said they were to teach all nations. So we want to note that as well. Now what did he tell them to teach in Matthew's record? Math, science, English? Doesn't say what he told them to teach, does it? So we want to note that he omitted that detail. We don't know. Usually when a person is taught something very sufficiently, it produces a corresponding belief or faith. But Matthew doesn't say anything about believing. So I want you to notice he left that blank also. Nothing is said about believing. And usually when we believe, have a real strong conviction, it will produce in us a change or a turning or a repentance. He doesn't say anything about repentance. So I want to note that he omitted that detail. He did say those that were taught among all nations were to be baptized. And then he gave the authority to do that. Do it in the name or by the authority of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He did not tell the purpose of this teaching, nor the baptizing. He omitted that. So we want to note that he omitted that detail. Hope I got that in the right line there. 
to see what's happening. So I want to note that uh, he left that detail out and he didn't tell us where this teaching was to start. He left the beginning of it off. So you don't learn a whole lot out of Matthew's record when you think about it. He said to go teach all nations to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay. Now Mark gave a record. Look at Mark 16. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. Mark says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now this is Mark's record, and uh, Mark says that the Lord told him to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that corresponds to teaching. All good preaching will include teaching. And so we'll place that in that column. Whereas Matthew said they were to teach all nations, Mark says that they were to go into all the world and preach to every creature. Same thing, isn't it? Matthew didn't say what they were to preach, remember? Science, math, English, we, we looked at that a moment. Mark does. Mark says he told them to preach the gospel. So now we know what they were teaching all nations. I, I mentioned a while ago that uh, when we're sufficiently taught, it'll produce a faith or a belief. And since Matthew didn't say anything about it, Mark does. He that believeth, so we want to make a note of that. I mentioned that when you have a, a great faith or a conviction, it will produce a repentance or a change or a turning. But he says nothing about repenting, neither does Mark. But like Matthew, Mark mentions baptism. So we want to note that detail. And Mark doesn't give the authority, the formula for baptizing, but that's all right, Matthew's given it. We'll just note that Mark omitted that in his record. Mark does give the purpose for the teaching and the baptizing. He said it's so that people shall be saved. But like Matthew, he doesn't tell us where all of this is to begin. We don't know where they're going to start doing this. So Mark says they are to preach in all the world to every creature the gospel, and he who will believe and be baptized shall be saved. That's Mark's record when you find it. All right? Now turn to Luke. Luke 24, verse 45 to 49. Luke gives a record of the Great Commission. Luke says of Christ, Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures, and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now that's Luke's record. And like uh, Matthew's record, or Mark rather, he said they were to preach. He said repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. So we want to note he mentioned the all nations as well. 
He did not mention the gospel like Matthew, but Mark mentioned that. Luke never said anything about the gospel, what they were preaching. And he never said anything about believing. We want to note that he omitted that detail just like Matthew did, but Mark's mentioned that. He did say, and we've been looking for this, that those who believe, he said repentance is to be preached in his name. And I mentioned that when we've got a strong conviction or belief, it'll, it'll produce a change or a turning or repentance. And now we get that detail from Luke. Luke does not mention baptism. He's the only one of the three who doesn't. I want to note that he omitted that. Whereas Matthew had said the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Luke mentions in his name. And then he also mentions that repentance and remission of sins is to be preached. And since that's salvation, we'll place that detail here. Finally, Luke gives something very important. He tells us where this is to begin. We've been looking for that detail. He's the only one that supplies it. And so there's Luke's record of it. So Luke says that uh, repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. See. Now look at all three records. We have read them. We have pulled the details out of them. We put them up on a board where we can look at them. And now we've got them in columns just like we would compound numbers. So let's make a summary of them. If you were to summarize the Great Commission, here's how it would summarize. This column would say, teach or preach. This one would say, all nations or every creature in all the world. And the next column, the gospel. This one would be to believe. The next one, repent. This one to be baptized. The next one, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost are in His name. And the next column shall be saved or remission of sins. And the last one beginning at Jerusalem. Now does that look like a summary of the Great Commission? Here's what the Great Commission really says, folks. Jesus said, teach or preach to all nations or every creature in all the world the gospel. He who will believe it will repent and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost shall be saved or have remission of sins beginning at Jerusalem. Does that look like a summary of the commission? We could stop right here, couldn't we? If you're wondering what to do to be saved, there it is. You just need to believe the gospel, repent, and be baptized for the remission of your sins. And that began at Jerusalem years ago. And we could stop right here and say, well, all right, that's sufficient, but I don't want to stop right here. <laughs> Besides that, we got a lot of time. And I haven't preached long enough. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, when I was a kid in school, I was in math class one day and I walked by the teacher's desk and I found something very interesting. I saw the teacher's math book on the desk. I picked it up and looked at it. It wasn't like mine. You know why? 
In the back of it, it had all the problems on every page in front of it that I had in mind, but it had the answers. <laughs> that teacher had all the answers further back in his book. And I thought, man, if I had a copy of the teacher's book, <laughs> homework would be a breeze. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I could just get that every night real easily. Um, the Bible's that way on the Great Commission. We can check our summary because the answer's further in the back. Here's what I mean by that statement. We know where the Great Commission was going to begin. We know it's going to begin in Jerusalem, don't we? That's what we were told in the three records. And if we can find the beginning when the Great Commission first began and learn what was preached by the apostles, we'll be able to check our summary and see if it's correct. We can double check this thing. We're pretty certain it's already correct right now. But there's a way to really confirm that by finding the beginning of the Great Commission. As I mentioned now, the Lord, if you'll remember, told them to tarry at Jerusalem. If you'll look in Luke 24 with me inside there, verse 48 and 49, Jesus said, You're witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So he told them to wait at Jerusalem. Now when we go over to the first chapter of Acts, and by the way, Luke also wrote Acts. Luke begins to tell us a few things uh, before Jesus ascended up into heaven. And I have verse 4 here in Acts 1, 4 through 8, but if I can back up just a minute and quote from verse 1 of Luke 1, let me quote the first three verses in front of this. You can look them up with me if you want, but if you want to just listen. Luke, when he writes the book of Acts, he says, The former treaties, he's referring to the Gospel of Luke, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. For forty days after he rose from the dead, Jesus appeared to the apostles and he taught them. He taught them again of principles of things concerning his kingdom. Then in verse 4 in there, if you'll read with me, Luke tells us, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. See that? Look at that. They should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, You've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom unto Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now let's stop right there. So they've, uh, they're assembled with him and... and uh, he has told them to wait at Jerusalem for the promise of the Father that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. And the Lord tells them that when the Spirit's come, they're going to start being witnesses unto Him. 
in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. So he's told them plainly, don't depart from Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on you. And then you're going to start being witnesses unto me. If we can find when the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles, and when they started preaching, wouldn't that be the beginning? Isn't that what he told them? Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. Not many days, the Holy Spirit's coming on you and you're going to be witnesses. All right, all we've got to do then is find when the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles and we'll know when the Great Commission began. And that's found in the next chapter. And if you'll look with me now in Acts 2, this is the beginning. The Bible says in verse 1 to 4, now remember what we're doing here is we're checking our summary by finding the beginning of the Great Commission and see if it matches the summary that we've made and then we'll know if we're correct or not in our summary. In Acts 2 verse 1 to 4, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here's the coming of the Spirit. That's what we're looking for, isn't it? That was to be the beginning. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem, he said, until you're endued with power from on high. There's the coming of the Spirit. Now are they at Jerusalem? Look at verse 5. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. All right, they're in the right place, aren't they? That's exactly where they should be when the Spirit comes. And there it is in the record. And then we read now in verse 5 through 13. There were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue when we were born? Parthians and Medes and the Eliamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia, in Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, in Egypt and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Notice verse 5, there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And they were to take this gospel, you see, to all nations. And he named many of those nations, Parthians, Medes, Eliamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontia, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and so on. He begins to tell us the nations they're out of. So now everything fits so far. They're in Jerusalem. The Spirit's fallen on them. There are Jews there out of every nation. And now we need someone to preach. You know, this multitude, when they saw all this, there were some, of course, that were scoffers. There always are. Always doubters and scoffers and unbelievers. And so some of them charged these apostles with being drunken. They were all amazed, it says in verse 12 there, and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. 
So you've got Jews there that are accusing the apostles of being drunken. And somebody's got to quell all of this excitement and get the attention of that audience and get control again. And so notice verse 14. Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said, You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words, for these are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. The third hour of the day was nine o'clock Jewish time. It's hard to get drunk by nine o'clock in the morning, even for the best of drunks, I would imagine. It's difficult to be drunken, so drunken that you uh, simply don't know what you're doing by nine o'clock. And that's Peter, you know, he's, they're not drunkards anyway, but he's saying, look, it's just the third hour of the day. These are not drunken as you suppose, seeing it's the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now he will quote Joel 2, verse 28 to 32. Joel said this, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now we've got a preacher. Peter has stood up now to preach. And everything's fitting so far. We found the beginning. It's at Jerusalem. The Spirit's come. There are Jews there out of every nation. And now we have a man to preach. And that's Peter. Let's see if he preached the gospel. We start in at verse 22. Verse 22, Peter said, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. So he's preached the death and resurrection of Christ. Does that sound like the gospel? Sounds just like the gospel. Then he introduces testimony from David out of Psalm 16. He will quote verses 8 to 11, verse 25. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or Hades, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now that's Psalm 16, 8 to 11. And in this psalm, David predicted the resurrection of Jesus a thousand years before it happened. He said Christ's soul would not be left in Hades and his flesh would not see corruption. And now in verse 29, Peter's going to apply that prophecy to Jesus. Men and brethren, he said, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, 
that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore being a prophet, David being a prophet, and, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, neither his flesh did see corruption, this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we're all witnesses. So now he's applied that prophecy, you see, to Christ and shown that David was talking about Jesus when he said, Thou will not leave my soul in hell. He wasn't talking about himself. He's talking about Christ. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. His body would never return to dust. It would never corrupt. And he said, This Jesus has God raised up, whereof we're all witnesses. Next, he will preach his ascension and his coronation. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he shed forth this which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, that is, God the Father said to Christ, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Does that sound like the gospel? He's preached the life and miracles of Christ, His death for sins, His resurrection, His ascension to heaven, His coronation, the fact that He's Lord and Christ. Sounds just like the gospel. That's, that's exactly what he was told to preach, see. Now what was the response? Let's look at verse 37. The Bible says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. That means they believed. They were convicted. They believed the gospel. When they heard this, when they heard the gospel, these Jews, many of them then, were pricked in their hearts. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They've asked what to do to be saved. Now what will he tell them if our summary's right? Will he tell them to repent and be baptized? Look at verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What was the result in verse 39? He said, The promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people that day heard the gospel at Peter's preaching, believed it, were told to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. They did so. And of course that was the beginning at Jerusalem. Now look at the, uh, look at the beginning here and see if it matches the summary. They were to teach or preach. Peter preached. 
They were to teach or preach to all nations or every creature in all the world. There were Jews there out of every nation under heaven. They were to preach the gospel. He taught them the gospel. People were told to believe that gospel. They believed it. They were pricked in their heart. And then they were told to repent, and they repented. That's what Peter told them. They were to be baptized. Peter told them to be baptized. It was to be in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or in His name. Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ. Same thing. The promise was they would be saved or have remission of sins. Peter said it's for remission of sins. It was to begin at Jerusalem. That's where they were at. Everything fits, doesn't it? So we've taken all three records. We looked at them. We read them. We pulled the details out. We put them up on the board. We made a summary. We've gone to the very beginning when the Great Commission started. We've seen that Peter did on Pentecost Day just exactly what the summary that we made said. And we've proven our summary now is correct. Surely we could stop right here. But we're not. <laughs> we're not. And the reason we're not, folks, is people today aren't satisfied with the Great Commission. They're not satisfied with how it's written, how it's given. There are people today that want to change what Jesus said. And you know what? I don't know why anybody wants to change what Christ said, do you? But they do. Jesus said, if you'll read with me there, in Matthew 28 and verse 18. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That word power there means authority. Christ said, I've got it all. If Christ has all authority in heaven and earth, then what right do I or you or anyone else have to change anything the Lord ever said? He's got all authority. Furthermore, look at John 12 and verse 48. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So Christ said this word is going to judge us in the last day. Listen, when we get in front of Jesus, the Great Commission is going to read then just like it does now. And we're going to be judged by those things Christ said. And if we reject those and reject Christ, Jesus said this word's going to judge us. I'm amazed at people here today that will try to circumvent what the Bible says and think that they're going to get by with this. The problem you and I have is we're going to stand behind the author of all these words one day. And if we're looking Jesus in the face, looking the Lord Jesus in the eyes, what are we going to say if we've changed His word? We're looking into the eyes of the author of that word. What's he going to do about it? Well, he said, the word that I've spoken, the same will judge you in the last day. He's not going to change this word. It's going to read the same. And people that have tried to change it here on earth are now going to find they're facing the author of it and they can't change it. And they're going to be judged by it. It's foolish for man to come along and tamper with the Bible. Isn't that foolish? And think that we can get by when we face the author of it. I don't understand people's thinking. And I would just say to all of us this morning, stay awake, stay alert to this fact the rest of your life. Don't tamper with God's Word. 
You've got to give an account to the very author of it. Okay? And so it's going to be a sad day for people that have changed it. But nonetheless, people still do. So what I want to do now for the rest of our study this morning is take this summary line. I think it's up high enough off the floor. All of you can see it. And uh, let's take every detail down through here and ask if we can change any of it. For example, shall we change teach or preach? Well, somebody says, well, no, we don't want to do that. Why would we ever want to do that? Did you know people change this? Did you ever hear of the practice of infant baptism? You see, that changes the whole Great Commission. Because when you start off baptizing a baby, you can't teach them. Now, I'm going to have to have a little time to get this turned around for you. But if you baptize babies, let me get my charts up here, folks. You see, I get confused on this too. <laughs> when you start changing things, You just have to destroy the Great Commission to do it. The simple little practice that people think is so wonderful to baptize babies changes the whole Great Commission. Because then you're baptizing, a, you're baptizing all nations in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to save them or give them remission of sin, supposedly. But you see, you can't teach a baby. So later on, as they get older, you teach or preach to them the gospel so they can believe and repent. That makes the Great Commission read this way. Baptize all nations or every creature in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost so they can be saved or have remission of sins. And later when they get older, teach or preach to them the gospel so they can believe and repent. That's what you're doing to the Great Commission when you practice infant baptism. Isn't that amazing? Changing that one little detail upsets the course of everything here, see. So we can't do that. And we need to leave the, the gospel, the plan, the Great Commission, just like Jesus gave it. Look with me at Luke 1, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 21. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21. Paul said, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What the world calls foolishness today is preaching. And yet that's the very thing that will save. And that's why we can't change teach or preach. We've got to start with that. After that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Alright? Shall we change all nations or every creature in all the world? Somebody says, well surely nobody would do that. 
Well, I hope not. It's bad enough when we all agree everybody needs the gospel. 1 Timothy chapter 2, read with me verse 3 to 6. The Bible says, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, listen, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So we better leave all nations like the Lord gave it. Shall we change the gospel? Well, what would we preach? A Jew might want to preach Judaism, a Calvinist Calvinism, a Mormon Mormonism, a Universalist Universalism. We've got all these isms out there. But the Lord said preach the gospel. What's the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 to 4. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. The Gospels, the death, burial, and resurrection, that's what people need to hear. Then we need to leave that alone, don't we? Shall we change belief? Somebody says, well, no, we don't want to change that. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned or condemned. No, we don't want to change that then because we're condemned if we don't believe. Can we change repentance? Well, somebody says, we sure can't change that. In Luke 13 and 3, Christ said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. We can't change repentance then or we'll perish. Shall we change baptism? Right here is the problem, isn't it? This is what everybody wants to change. I could show this board here this morning to a lot of the preachers in this area. They could look it over, look at our summary. And I could ask them, sirs, what do you think about this? And they'd say, well, Pat, it looks like a pretty good summary of the Great Commission, but there's one detail in there you've got that you don't need. And if I asked them, what is that? The unanimous cry would be baptism. They would tell me, well, we think you ought to take that out and put something else in its place. And I could ask them, well, what shall I put in its place? Without exception, every one of them would tell me prayer. Let's do that. Baptism's not essential. Aren't we told today to invite Jesus into our heart and pray the sinner's prayer? Ask Him to save us? Where do you read that in the Great Commission in those three records? Isn't that amazing? Prayer is not found in the Great Commission. Baptism is mentioned twice. That's the thing they want to remove. Faith's only mentioned once. Repentance is mentioned one out of three. 
Baptism's mentioned two out of three, and that's the one they want to change. They're satisfied with belief and repentance. It's amazing, isn't it? And so we need to leave the commission like Jesus said. He said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And in 1 Peter 3.21, if you'll read there, Peter, who gave us the great commission here, uh, the record of it, the beginning of it here, in 1 Peter 3.21, said the like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Peter said baptism saves us. That's what Jesus said. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Man comes along and says, he that believeth and is not baptized shall be saved. And so they changed the Great Commission. We better leave this commission just like Jesus gave it. Shall we change the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost or in His name? Now someone says we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a formula then for baptizing. We wouldn't have an authority. That's right. So we better leave that where it's at. Shall we change saved or remission of sins? Well, somebody says, no, we don't want to change. We don't want to leave that out. But many would say to me, well, Pat, you've got this in the wrong place. And if I asked them, well, where should I put it? They would say, well, salvation comes before baptism. You've got it afterward. But everybody knows you're saved before you're baptized. Let's put it here. And now that makes the Great Commission read this way. Teach or preach to all nations or every creature in all the world the gospel. He who will believe, repent, or, and repent shall be saved or have remission of sins and can be baptized later on if he wants to in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But that's not what Christ said. See, you've got to change the commission up here and move salvation away and put it before baptism. Is that what Jesus said? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is saved shall be baptized. Now the Lord said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He placed baptism before salvation, didn't He? Maybe we need to do that in the Great Commission and leave salvation where the Lord put it after the act of baptism. Because that's what Christ said. You see how people are changing the commission? Can we change the beginning? That's the only thing we got left. Did you know people do? They're not satisfied with where it began in Jerusalem. What do they do? Look at Luke 23 with me. Verse 39. 
In fact, let me put it here. Luke says, one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly? For we receive the due reward of our deed, but this man had done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. The old thief on the cross. And when you mention baptism to folks, what do they usually do? They say, Well, you don't need to be baptized. The thief on the cross wasn't. He just said, Lord, remember me. Said his prayer. And so they tell us then that Baptism's not essential, that all you got to do is ask the Lord to forgive you. And they'll go back to Luke 23 and verse 39, back before the Great Commission was ever given. I want you to notice something. The record of the thieves in Luke 23. And Luke didn't give the record of the Great Commission to Luke 24. Right? Luke 24. And so. Uh, they go back before that, before the commission was ever given, and get the thief on the cross. And so they're not satisfied with the with the great commission beginning there at Jerusalem and uh, on Pentecost Day, as we noted when the Holy Spirit came. They go back before. You see, the thief lived and died before the great commission was ever given. That's the point. He could not have obeyed the Great Commission because it hadn't been given yet. And yet people don't like baptism. And in order to get around it, they'll go back before the Great Commission was ever given to get the thief on the cross. Instead of looking at Acts 2 and the record that's given there. And we just can't do God's Word that way. They, we just can't do it. We need to be satisfied with the commission as God gave it. I've gone to a lot of trouble years ago to make this chart. I cut every one of these squares out with a pocket knife. I put the grommets in to hang them by. I bought the letters and stuck them on. They've all been hand-lettered. Went to a lot of trouble. I did that for one reason. So people could see what the Great Commission says and what folks are doing to it today. And I don't have any clearer way to teach it than this. But what, what happens to people so many times is they are taught or they're preached to and they hear the gospel, they hear about Jesus and His death, burial, and resurrection and they believe it and they repent. But when they set out to be saved, preachers, instead of telling them what the Great Commission says, to repent and be baptized, tell them to pray the sinner's prayer, to invite Jesus into their heart, and that if they'll do that, they'll be saved. Then later on,
they tell them they ought to be baptized when they get a chance. And do that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And they can do that any time or no time if they don't want to. And they change the Great Commission, see. A lot of people have had a baptism. Maybe you've had one. But you see, most people have been taught that they're saved before they're baptized. And they need to be baptized for the right reason. And that's why I made this chart, is so they could see that. You see, they believe and repent, and then they invite Christ in, and they're, in their mind they're saved. Then a week or so later, whenever they go and get baptized, but what are they being baptized for? Because they believe they're already saved. They're being baptized usually to join a church, just to join a denomination of some kind. Sometimes that baptism is sprinkling, sometimes it's immersion. But you see, prayer is not even involved. It's nowhere stated. And of course, baptism is. It's stated twice. And so, we need to leave the commission just like the Lord gave it and be content with it. And if you understand this morning what to do to be saved and you want to be, you can. And if you've heard the gospel and you believe Jesus is the Son of God and you're willing to repent of your sins to turn from them, if you're tired of sinning, if you're tired of living the way you're living, if you're saying, I'd like to start my life over, that's what God's offering. How many people have said to themselves, if I could just start again, if I could just go back and do it over? You can. Have you messed your life up? Are you ate up with guilt? Do you need a change? Would you like to be forgiven by God for everything you've said, thought, or done? That's what He offers you today. I'll forgive whatever you've done. I'll remember it no more. I'll freely forgive you. I'll wash you in the blood of Christ. I'll make you holy. I'll make you righteous. I'll make you my child. I'll receive you. I'll take you. I'll give you a brand new beginning in life. And I'll give you a brand new ending if you'll serve me. I'll give you everlasting life. That's what God's offering. And you know what? It doesn't cost us anything but obedient faith. Jesus died to pay that debt. It's yours if you want it. And you can be saved today. So we offer an invitation for anybody who might want to come and confess their faith in Jesus Christ and be baptized for the remission of sins. And we can take you even this very day if you'd like and just baptize you. A simple act of baptism into Christ for forgiveness just like the Great Commission says. And you'll know you're saved because you've got the Word of God for it. That's what we've studied this morning. You've got great assurance. And if you need that today, you come and have a seat at the front. And if there's somebody here that needs prayer, you're already a Christian, but you've got burdens and you've got problems. And it don't have to be sin, but if you've got sins... If there's some need that you have, we, we stand ready to have prayer with you and to counsel with you and talk with you. And we'll help you in any way we can. That's what this church family is all about.
we love you, the Lord loves you, and we want, to, we want to help you. And so you have that invitation also to come forward. And we invite you to do that now as we rise and encourage you with this song, this invitation song. Would you come forward while we sing? We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.